Welcome to the Today Counts show. Today does count because it impacts, it influences your tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. The Today Counts podcast is sponsored by the generous donors of the Lead Today community. I'm your host, Kim Piper. I know this is going to sound weird, but I'm actually excited about sharing this podcast with you about forgiveness, or should I say the sin of unforgiveness. Now, this podcast is directed to the marketplace, where we can talk about everything from business, leadership, politics, uh, spirituality, and it is a safe place uh, to perhaps sometimes listen to uh, concepts that you may not hear every day. If you are a churchgoer, then you will hear some of these things, but maybe not to the degree that you will hear today. So if you have been sinned against, if you have been wounded, if you have been hurt by someone else, without this sounding very callous, welcome to the human race. And I don't mean it in a in a way like that, because I too have been wounded by others. I have been hurt by others. I have been betrayed uh, by others. I just think that it is part of our human existence. But I I think that if you will stick with this this episode, this show, I I think that you will be encouraged. Uh, I think you'll be challenged. You you might, you know, get a little bit angry from here to there with some butts, just like I might. But I think the application for you is wherever you're at. It could be at work, you know, in your profession, because you have to deal with with sin in in your profession. You have to deal with it in leading your nonprofit or your for-profit, or if you're an entrepreneur with your vendors, with your with your clients and your customers. And we all know that probably where it hits us the hardest is with those relationships that are near and dear to us. So why don't I just kick this off? I'm going to start by saying this, the world And I'm going to say the secular world. And what I mean by secular world is, let's just say, non-religious or at least least separate it. The secular world would like, I think, in my opinion, to destroy the word and the idea of sin. Um, She likes the phrase, poor decisions better. That was a poor decision. We need to make good decisions in our life or... He made a series of bad decisions, which got him. And and all of those phrases have their context and certainly truth in them. And sin is certainly a poor decision. But not all poor decisions are sin. They can just sometimes mean that, you know, you, you, you're trying to make a decision. You don't have a map, and you're trying to make a decision whether you take a left turn or a right turn. Your gut tells you to take a left, so you take a left, and you find out later that you should have taken a right. I'm not convinced that that's a sin. That's kind of a decision that you made in a human situation, not meaning to harm or hurt anyone in, in, in that situation. And maybe you've heard this before, maybe you haven't, but the the theological idea of sin is missing the mark. In other words, there's the idea of theology is that God is perfect. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. And we, we could continue on with that, but ultimately he's perfect. And in his creation from the very beginning, he set a mark, he set a bar, he set a bullseye, he set that mark of how we are to do this or how we're to do that or think 
or our, our attitudes or whatever they might be, there is a mark. And to miss that mark is sin. That is the, the biblical idea of sin. And so when you, when you hear of people making fun of, whether it's through a sitcom or through some kind of sarcastic comedy or, or whatever, when they say that Christians believe we have fallen short of the glory of God, of the idea of God, um, that's kind of what we mean. So I think it's a bit sad that we are working as, as a human race to kind of remove the word sin, because I, I think that the word sin uh, gets us further along in the process of forgiving, forgiving. Now, uh, depending upon where you have any kind of religious education, you know, the Protestants in Christianity, um, you know, tend to realize and believe that sins have different consequences to them, but at least in on this side of, of eternity. But in God's eye, you know, one sin is is no greater than another. If you come from a Catholic background, there's different categories of sin. What I'd like to do is share with you something that I use that is uh, simple, simpler maybe. And I label three kinds of sin. Um, uh, childlike sin, childish sin would be one category. Another category would be adolescent sin, adolescent sin, and adult sin. Now, let me go over those a little bit. Little kids sin, but the damage is not usually very severe. Um, little kids lie. They hit, they bite, and yes, they they steal. Now, maybe they do more than that, but those are the four things that I thought of. You know, being a dad and a grandfather, the things that, that I see, lie, hit, bite, steal. Um, those just came to mind. And at first, you know, new rookie parents, they're a little bit shocked that they gave birth to this demon-like child that lies, hits, bites, and steals. But once reality sets in and they kind of level off a little bit, they realize that, oh, oh, darn it, I thought I was going to give birth to the first perfect child when in fact I haven't. And so then what happens is character development becomes the goal. So it becomes a little bit more realistic. And parents have their own styles. They have their own words, you know, and how they do it. Some give a spanking on the bottom. Some believe that's of the devil, or I shouldn't say of the devil because they probably would not believe in a devil, but, you know, there'd be child abuse or something. And so they have timeouts and or some use time, you know, a combination of both or taking away toys or, or you know, some yell, some scream. I mean, you know, they come in all kinds of shapes and forms. I think we could all probably agree that there's, you know, certain ways that all of us uh, would think would be uh, a little safer, a little more honest, a little more mature than other ways. But bottom line, it's 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 not too hard to forgive a kid. Just a kid, right? It's just a kid. If you have a problem forgiving a kid, then you've got a problem. I mean, you've got a you really got a problem. So anyway, there's there's kid sins. There's little kid sins. And then a second category, you know, I've called adolescents, and adolescents sin also. They sin too. And the sins of teenagers are more tricky than the sins of kids because they live on the border of two countries. Uh, an adolescent, whether you consider an adolescent 11 or 12, or you go with the formal teens of 13 through 19, or, you know, 20 into their 20s, you know, uh, you know I, don't, I, I don't know. 
I think it's different sometimes from kid to kid. But the sins of teenagers are tricky because they live on the border of these two countries. And on, on one side of the border, it's childhood, and the other side is adulthood. And so adolescence is really that, that border ground, that border country, uh, if you will. It's that thin line between being a kid and being an adult. Now, what makes it tricky is sometimes they sin like a kid, and sometimes they sin like an adult because they're forming and they're, and they're bigger physically, and their lusts may not be any bigger in comparison, but their ability to carry out more damaging uh, sins and therefore consequences are certainly in play. And the consequences for each sin of an adolescent should also you know, be different. But adults should have the wisdom to see the opportunity for mercy. Because even though someone might be 12 or 20, um, they're still very, very young, and they make mistakes, and their uh, their body is changing. You, you know all of this, and, and I'm not making excuses for them because we're all responsible for our behaviors, but we're foolish and we're naive if we come down uh, really hard on adolescents like we would perhaps consider coming down on an adult. If there is a category of sin for second chances, I would think that adolescence would be that place. With children, you know, I I think we forgive again and again and again and again, and then there's behavior modification, and then, you know, behavior modification in a child is just that. I don't think you can say it's character at this point until they start making some rational, intelligent, soulful decisions that I don't want to do that because it's wrong versus I don't want to do that because I'm going to get in trouble. And so what we want to see in adolescence is we want to begin to see them making good decisions uh, because they are developing a conscience. And that conscience is something that I believe that God gifts every human being. But I think we all can say that uh, dealing with adolescent sin can be a little tricky. Adult sin, on the other hand, is shocking. And and why is it shocking? Because when we think of an adult, we think of an adult. We call them adults for a reason. Um, it means maturity, and it, it means a lot of things in, in our mind. I think bottom line, though, we count on, as adults and as teenagers and as children, the whole population counts on adults to be faithful to be faithful. And you can uh, apply that like butter all over the place to what I mean. Faithful in every way. Faithful in our marriage. Faithful to our children. Not just to their children, but to our children. Not just to their teenagers, but to our teenagers. Not just to their business, but our business. Um, To common decencies. To be law-abiding citizens, as we say. Um. We, we take all of these, marriage, children, teenagers, business, common decencies, laws, and, and, and we put them in the hands of our fellow adult citizens. So when we are sinned against, it hurts. It hurts really bad because it makes us question who we can trust. Now, I know this is going to sound like I'm being down on the adolescent, but somebody who trusts an adolescent blindly is probably not super smart, Right, because they're still 
developing, just like children, right? Just like children. If you tell a child, a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, a four-year-old, and then they don't know how to swim, and you simply tell them to stay away from the swimming pool, and that's good enough for you, okay, let's just say it. That's foolish. That's foolish. That's why we put gates around the swimming pool. That's why I, for one, do not take my eyes off of anyone around my pool deck who doesn't know how to swim. And even if they do know how to swim, weird things happen, right? So when an adult lets us down, when when an adult sins against us or against our business or against our family or against us personally, especially if that adult is blood, if that adult is kin, if that adult is part of the inner circle, and then it really is a blow. Now, here's what we may not realize. We know when we're sinned against, when someone has sinned against us, but do we realize that unforgiveness, not forgiving the person who has sinned against us, is in and of itself a sin? And you ready for this? It's not a childlike sin. It's not an adolescent sin. It's an adult sin. The sin of unforgiveness is an adult sin. If you choose this route, you cause even more damage to yourself and to others. Moreover, you are working against the very nature, hand, and work of God. The bottom line is is that you need to be forgiven, not just from heaven, but from the person that you sinned against. I need to be forgiven, not just from the throne of heaven, the place that we believe in, uh, because the scripture says that God has placed eternity in our hearts, meaning somehow we just know that we know that this isn't all there is, not just because of what the good book tells us. So we all need to be forgiven, not just from heaven, but from one another. Now, at this moment, I'm not going to address the benefits of forgiving because I don't think that's the point, or even the how to forgive. And I want to stop here, and and what I'm trying to appeal to, to you is the morality of forgiving others, and that it is our responsibility to do that. And I will develop this further if you allow me. If you are one of those people who embrace your rights over your responsibilities, then you can probably just shut this podcast off because you won't get it. You won't get it. In other words, if everything that you do in this life has to profit you and not cost you, then you're probably not the right person. If you're at least not open to hearing what I'm saying, you're probably not the right person to be listening to this. Because what we're talking about here, when we talk about the sin of unforgiveness or put it in the positive to forgive even those who've done the unthinkable against us. It is our responsibility to forgive others. So I just want to let that sit for a minute. If you do it God's way, that is, work through forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't a magic wand. It's not something you can just, boom, do. I forgive you, and that's it. No, no, that's not how God works. It's not like taking a pill and, and, and making you forget or giving you the ability to forgive. No, it's a journey in and of itself. But if you take that journey, then you'll be joining God in what he is doing. He is redeeming. That is what he's doing. He's 
He's redeeming. So if you do it God's way, what needs to be corrected will be corrected. What needs to be healed will be healed. What wrongs need to be addressed will be addressed. Where justice needs to be found, it will be found. Now, those are statements of faith. Now, the problem with faith is that if your faith is only based upon what you see, then you cannot possibly believe what I just said. You have to believe in something bigger than what you see, because you may not see what you want to see when you want to see it. You may not feel what you want to feel when you want to feel it. Let me say it this way. If you reserve your personal right, if you believe that, to not offer forgiveness to someone who has offended you or caused you great harm, then you're choosing to be God. Don't try to be God because you stink at it. I stink at it. We stink at being God. We're not God. Instead, let's cooperate with God and watch what He can do in you and through you. Jesus said this, If you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. There seems to be an if, right? There's an if in that. And we don't like ifs, but there it is. So pause for a moment and just take that in. Let's go ahead and call this part one. We just wanted to introduce the idea of unforgiveness, the sin of unforgiveness, and we also wanted to kind of lay out the categories to think about when we think about sin. You know, uh, I, I think about the sins of my childhood, I think about the sins of my adolescence, and I think about the sins of my adulthood. And, and they really are three different categories, if you think about it, and the potential damage that uh, it causes, but also those things that I've been on the receiving end of, you've been on the receiving end of. And so it is an adult conversation to talk about if we do have a creator, what would the creator have us do about this messy situation that probably still lingers in a lot of our souls? And how do we do that? So we're going to go ahead and pick up next time for part two of the sin of unforgiveness. Looking forward to seeing you then. If you are not part of the Lead Today community, let me invite you. You can go to leadtodaycommunity.com and sign up for the leadership kit. So again, thank you for joining with us. Tell a friend if you enjoyed this. We would really appreciate it.